Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. We thank you, God, that you are a good God and you never will let us down. We thank you. Yes, mighty God. God, we thank you that you are a good God and you will never let us down. You are faithful and you are true. God, I pray that we don't look at the um, circumstances, we don't look to the left or the right in what is going on in our life, but we look to you, our God, where our help comes from, and that we would know and have such a strength and an anchor in our soul that you are a good, good God. You have a great plan and purpose for our life. We can trust you. We can walk in faith knowing that you are in control, you have a great plan and a purpose for us and that we can trust you. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, church. Please take your seat. Great to see you here today. Very exciting. It's getting up to the Christmas season. It's hard to believe it's going to be December in a couple of days. I was going to say the year's gone quickly, but it actually hasn't really, has it? (laughs) It's been a really tricky one. Well, last month, Steve and I were continuing on with our series in Colossians, and we were reading from Colossians about some specific instructions from Paul for living in Christian homes. And this passage included some directions to husbands and wives, to children, and also to servants. And we looked last time at two of the couplings of um, husband or women's wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives. And also, children obey your parents and fathers don't exasperate your children. So today, hopefully you've listened to the podcast because you really do want to get the context of those (laughs) and hear the preach because otherwise you're like, what are you talking about? In our cultural context, those things sound absolutely crazy. So they're very challenging subjects that need to be understood from a cultural and biblical meaning and not just taking a verse out of context. So today I'm looking at no less of a controversial topic. The next verse is slaves obey your masters and masters treat your slaves well. So let's just jump in to this light topic of conversation. No, not at all. (laughs) Colossians 3.22. Slaves obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. So slaves, obey your masters in everything. Well, okay, hold up. Did you just say... Slaves obey. Does the Bible endorse slavery? Well, like previous verses, remember our rules. Context, balance, and and humility. In context, we've just read in Colossians a couple of verses back in 3.11, only a few verses ago, that in Christ there is neither slave nor free and a whole lot of other things. Jesus destroyed that division. But in the context of the time when this was written, slavery was a reality. About half of the population at the time was in slavery, were slaves. 
There are many forms of slavery back then too. Most don't equate with our understanding of how what slavery looks like. We probably think of something like the African-American slave trade and how that went down. It was, a, it was different. Some people were mistreated, but not to the same extent. People would actually choose to do a servant indenture in where they would say, I will be your servant for this amount of time, and then they would get freedom, and that would give them a Roman citizenship. So it was actually something that they chose to do, and they earned their freedom in that. So Paul could say, you're not slaves anymore, but that the Roman Empire wouldn't care. Besides, Paul is a prisoner himself when he's writing this. Remember, he's writing this from prison. So, Paul addresses the reality of this situation for the slaves. As Christians, we do not condone slavery in any form. Let's just get that out there. <laughs> and it's actually been the Christians over the centuries who fought for slavery to be overthrown. Right back in the um, British and American Quakers who were really disturbed by this and they questioned the morality of slavery and eventually it was argued in Parliament in um, Philadelphia in the States and also many of you would have heard of um, William Wilberforce in the UK who um, changed the laws with his friends in London. And then we saw the Civil War in the US which set some freedoms into place. Yet it's only actually been the last century, even in 1970s, the last country overruled slavery, it was outlawed in all nations. The Bible clearly denounces any abuse, physical or any type, in any form, and it abhors human trafficking, buying, selling, trading, exploiting people for labour or as sex workers, such as we had, did see in the, Amer in the African slaves in America. But unfortunately, there are millions subjected to slavery through human trafficking today. It's actually the second largest and fastest growing criminal industry today. 80% of those people are females, more than 50% of them are minors as well. It's horrendous. And there are many people, including incredible Christians like Christine Kane through the A21 project who are working together to try and rectify this. It's, it is really terrible. Slavery is not God's original design and it's not God's ultimate desire. It's a product of sin in the world. So when, then when we see Paul, for example, addressing slavery, it doesn't mean he's endorsing it. Instead, he's helping shepherd people who are involved in a sinful system where slavery is prevalent. So Paul has addressed immediate family members in the prior verses, husbands and wives and children, and here he sets a group of instructions for a bond servant. That's the word that he's used here. It's a Greek term, doulos, meaning a person under the command or obligation of another. And the word can, can be fairly translated as slave, although, as I said, what modern people think of that term slave has a different connotation than what was practiced in Paul's day. So the servant of the Lord, the Greek word doulos, describes a bond slave who is bound to do what he's told to do regardless what he thinks about it. Um, in this context, bond servants were considered part of a person's household. That's why under our house rules, this is what Paul's addressing here. But they did not enjoy the same level of freedom as the other people in their family and, and as their masters. According to Paul, 
these servants are to show submission and obedience to their masters. So rather than teaching them to rebel, Paul instructed them to obey. It's a very topsy-turvy world, isn't it? In Philemon, we see God's heart ultimately is to set slaves free, as Paul sought freedom for a bond service, a servant Onesimus in there. However, Christianity's unique success against slavery would actually come through changes to society rather than rebellion. As I said, many years later as well. Paul specifically says that obedience is not for show only, nor is it only meant to meet the bare minimum requirements of the master. The clear point is that the bondservant was to work for God's glory, not just when his or her master was watching. Shallow service done only when the master is watching is work done by a people pleaser and we're called to be God pleasers. So the Christian bond servant was to serve with a sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. God sees and knows all, including the heart and its motives. And bond servants were to serve for God's pleasure, not merely for their earthly master. Though not an exact equivalent to today's um, situation, but similar principles do apply to us in the modern day work context between an employer and an employee. So freedom for captives is a huge thing throughout the Bible. For now, the command here applies to all of us who work. However, right or wrong your situation may be, respect your boss and do it own, don't just work and do things when their eyes on you and gain their favour, but we do it with a sincerity of heart and a reverence for the Lord. And I love in verse 23, whatever you do, work, it, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters, for you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord It is the Lord Christ you are serving. There's a great song that Ryan Gilpin and co wrote, which is playing for an audience of one. And I love that. Whenever we're serving God, whenever we're doing anything in our our job, we're not doing it to get the applause of anyone but our creator, God himself. And that puts a very different perspective on everything that we do. As God's servants, we should be well-trained, highly refined, cultured and equipped to minister to any need which we are confronted. Serving with an excellent standard should be our goal. There's nothing more important than what we do for the Lord. So God expects us to serve with the best attitude, the finest appearance and the highest form of service and professionalism that we can render in his name. And this is backed up in so many of the letters in the Bible. One of them, I just want to read from Ephesians here, 6, verse 5 to 8. Those who are employed should listen to their employers and obey their instructions with great respect and honour. Serve them with humility in your hearts as though you're working for the master. Very similar, isn't it? Always do what is right and not only when others are watching so that you may please Christ as his servants by doing his will. Serve your employers wholeheartedly and with love. One version says, be faithful with your duty. Do it as though you were serving Christ and not men. Be assured that anything that you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by our Lord, whether you're an employee or an employer. So in other words, your transformed life should transform how you work. No matter what your job is or who your earthly boss is, 
you now work for Jesus and he pays well. The ultimate we want to hear from God is, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what God looks for, right? Yes, you're allowed to talk in church, guys. It's okay. That's what we want to hear, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We want to have that excellent work ethic to be those faithful ones. And a person who is faithful is reliable, loyal and steadfast, devoted, trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant and unwavering. There's something to aim for. So I see this as an acronym and I've put um, that up here that we've got the words faithful and faithful running down here and that looks like this, faithful, available, initiative, teachable, honest, flexible, unselfish and loyal. So let's have a look at these. As Christians, are we faithful? We want these qualities in our workplace, in our congregation, our volunteers and especially in our leaders. So what do they look like practically? So faithful, dependable and reliable. That means being on time registering early for things you need to register for, an RSVPing, communicating, reply to texts and emails. Be reliable. Like for me, I have my connect group leaders. I need them to put in their attendance after a connect group meeting and they need to, within the fortnight, do a pastoral report. And I don't need them, I don't need to be reminding each one of them to do that. That should just be an automatic thing because they're faithful and reliable. I have department heads, like people who run life kids or youth, and again, they need to put their stats and updates in weekly. They need to book in their mentoring, and um, if w- at times I've had interns, they need to book in their supervision ahead of time so that they're very organised. We have people that give preach feedback every week. We have um, people doing so many roles. And if I have to follow each one of them up individually, it's a lot of work. That's dozens and dozens of communication that I'm trying to do. Whereas people are faithful and reliable, it's just automatically coming through and it takes the load off and you're doing it before God. And that's why we're doing not to please me, but to, (laughs) to do it before God. And it takes a big workload off. And it's part of the role. Is it something that's part of your role? Nike, just do it. If you have to set things in your diary, if you be like me, I have to set alarms for all the different things I need to do. I want to do that because I don't want to let people down. I want to be faithful and reliable in all that I do because I'm doing it before God. When you're a volunteer here and you get your roster, diarise it so you don't miss it. And those rare cases that you're unable to come, maybe you're sick, arrange a swap and let people know what's going on. Whatever you're doing, all that you're doing, turn up. Do what's required, but then go above and beyond with excellence. Because we're doing it for God and his kingdom, not for man's accolades. Good, that's good. I've got one person with me. Awesome. Available, that's the A that I've done here. Could have done attitude, but I'll hit that one later. Available, willing and ready to do what is required with everything involved with, you know, setting up, being committed over your own personal comfort. Hey, nobody wants to do a lot of work, but it's not about us, is it? It's not about our comfort and what we feel like doing. It's about honouring God. Step in and step up when there's a need. Not that, oh, that's not my job description. I'm not on that role today. Look to be available. 
to help in whatever needs. In the workplace, if someone's really busy with a certain project, might not be your area, maybe you can lend them a hand and all just jump in and do what needs to be done. It comes back to you that people then end up doing the same for you when it's needed. Initiating. Be responsible and risk-taking. Do something new. Say yes to a volunteering opportunity. If you're asked to speak or share or to use your gifts, say yes. It might be to lead a team or a new department, try something out. Speak to a new person. See a need, something needs doing, and fix it. Fill in the gap. Share a word of knowledge or pray for someone. Send that encouraging text. Send that scripture. They must need it. If the Holy Spirit's putting that on your mind, do it. Be teachable. This is so important. Be receptive and hungry to learn and grow. That's what we're called to as disciples, isn't it? To learn and to grow, become more and more like Christ. You have resources. Get into resources, books, courses. You can study. You can get mentor and coaching. Ask for feedback on anything that you do so you can improve and grow, which requires humility. Sometimes blind spots are revealed and we can feel uncomfortable with that. But we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us to work in those areas, in those areas of lack in our character or skills and abilities, and then we grow in him. We have a Sunday debrief every week just to talk about what worked, what things we could improve. And so we have a preach feedback which helps us to grow in what we're doing. And that's, that's a really important thing because we need to be teachable honest so we need to be genuine and truthful i think i said in the last preach about speaking the truth in love it's like three legs of a stool or a table if one of them is missing it's going to crash we need to speak but it has to be truth if it's not truth it's going to fall apart and if it's not done in love it's going to fall apart and it's really important to be honest to stand up for an inju- for injustice to share an opinion, even sometimes with a, a leader, we might not feel comfortable. And it's really important to do conflict resolution. There's, a, there's great biblical ways of doing that and making it that there's a great result. Don't be entitled. Don't think, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm just a volunteer. I don't need to do that. At work, well, they don't pay me enough, so I'm going to just take sickies and lie about it. Don't steal. And he would say, of course, I would never steal. But maybe it's a pen. Maybe it's stationary. Maybe it's photocopying your own stuff at work, working on your own stuff during work time, or looking at social media during work time, making phone calls during work time. That's stealing your boss's time. Taking a long lunch break. What about illegal downloads? That's not honest. We need to pay the person for their gifts and talents, whether it's in the music field or movie industry. Um, (laughs) We had friends who used to pretend that their children are younger than they were so they could pay cheaper rates, like on public transport and at meals. That just made me feel sick. It's dishonest. It's stealing. It's not godly. (laughs) It's not Christian. We can steal someone's reputation with gossip. Wanting to know what's going on. Do you know what's going on with this and that? That's not, that's not good. What about flexible? Being adaptable with a can-do attitude. As I said, attitude is really key for me with anyone that I'm working with. 
I've done a couple of mission trips to Africa and I have to say to the team, we need to be flexible and go with the flow. Sometimes things were on Africa time, so it might be an hour and a half before someone actually picked you up or everything changed and, you know, you might have to eat some hot curry that you don't really want to have. That's okay, just go with the flow, adapt to the change. There could be venue inconvenience, there could be everything's cancelled. But let's just be flexible and go with the flow and it's a good skill to have in life. Like for me... Um, the worship team, they practice. We have a run sheet of how things are going to go. But if I feel like I've got to move in the Holy Spirit, if I've got to get up and prophesy or I've got to do something different, they adapt to that. It's not like, no, we did these songs and for this amount of time and you're just wrecking our plan. They're like, no, you've got to go with what you need to do. And the front row guys then got to adapt and then the Sunday service director. But it's okay. We've got to be flexible. We're a spirit-filled church. We've got to go with the Spirit. 2020 was a year of learning to be flexible, right? <laughs> and quickly pivot. We had to gather first with social distancing. Then we couldn't gather at all. So then we did church online. I saw one of those funny Forrest Gump memes that says, you know how they, they always do that, and just like that, and it was like, just like that, all the preachers became televangelists. It's like, yes, we're all suddenly on YouTube channels. That is not what we would want to do. <laughs> then we had watch parties then we had house church. Then we could gather again, but we have to have social distancing and sanitizer. We have our food in packages. I don't love that. I'm missing all your homemade goodies, but we've adapted. We have noisy communion cups. Come on, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Crack, 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 crack. But I want to say, QB, you have been amazing. As we have pivoted, as we have had to be flexible, you get an email every week. We're doing this, we're not doing this. Register here, sign up for here, email this. You guys just nail it every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're showing that beautiful faithfulness in that and we really appreciate it. It, it just lessens the workload for us and we know that you are with us. So let's be real. When we're walking with God, we need to be able to pivot and flex as his ways are not our ways his plans are not our plans but we have to submit it to god you is unselfish it's all about you oh, i just thought of that you unselfish generous spirit and a servant hard to use our gifts and activate them in others in honor preferring one another in a sunday church service we don't want to have that selfish attitude I'm coming to be blessed and spiritually fed and I'm coming to see my friends. Do you know what? You have to get your strength and food from God and his word beforehand during the week. You can't be reliant on just one Sunday service. In the natural, we eat three times a day. More for me. I have a lot of snacks. Um, I don't think I'm alone in that. But if I just had one meal every Sunday, yes, I would starve. I would not be in a good place. But as is, as is in the natural, in the spiritual, we need to be self-feeders. Well, I can't be in life, kids, because I'll miss the word and not be fed. Feed yourself. Watch the YouTube channels. Get on Spotify and all the podcasts. There's, there's plenty there to feed it. See Sunday as a ministry, as a, as a work day, where we come into the house of God expecting to give out. Look for people to speak life and faith and put courage into and hope into. 
Not be talking about yourself. Be interested in them and what's going on in their world so that you can be sensitive to reach out and minister to their needs. Be bold, sharing that word of knowledge. Pray for people if that's what you feel God is telling you to do. It's a day to reach out to others, to gather them and include them. You can contact your friends or tell your pastor your problems during the week. That's Do that. But on a Sunday, let's be here for one another. Sundays are for loving God, but they're also for loving and serving his people and others. And loyal. Be trustworthy and committed to God, to his bride, and his, which is his church, to our pastors and leaders. Be loyal to the vision of the church and the leaders. Grace is working in us, through us and in others, and to remember that. As I said, attitude is important. Attitude needs to do all this with a great attitude. We teach our kids, we talked about this last time, the principle of first-time obedience. We want them to do what we've asked them with honour. We want the right response done the right way, right away, all the way, the happy way, right? As adults, this transfers to us to being faithful in our, and, and obeying our boss and our leaders and those in authority. Do it immediately with excellence. Complete it and do it with a happy heart. It transfers well, doesn't it? Have a great attitude. And blessing comes with that. We know that. Let your life speak for you. A great work ethic reflects Jesus. We talk in our plus one about shining Jesus. This is how we do it. Let your life speak for you. Paul makes a point of reminding believers not to merely get by with the bare minimum of what we're obligated to do. Rather, we should serve knowing that Christ is our ultimate judge. And Paul also places masters under the same obligation to kindness and fairness to slaves and servants. Both are equal in the eyes of Christ. And he says in verse 25, there's no favoritism above Jesus. He does not honour men above women or masters above slaves. So that is where the next verse in chapter 4.1. He reminds masters to treat their slaves right, give them what is fair and pay well. Treat them fairly because you know that you also have a master in heaven and will be judged accordingly. Those who do wrong will be punished, whether they are free or slaves. In other words, masters, you have a master who will be just with you based on how you have treated those in your household and slaves. And encouragement here is that though you may endure temporary injustice, there will indeed be eternal justice guaranteed. Um, Paul calls Timothy as a leader of the church, this Julos name again, this bond slave of the Lord. He was to hear that the Lord, what the Lord told him to do and then faithfully carry out his orders no matter what he felt or thought about them. It was his responsibility to step into the leadership position and to act with the responsibility that God had given him. No one else had that position or power to step into. It was the authority and responsibility God had given Timothy. And he needed to set things in order whether he wanted to or not. Timothy had to step up to the plate and start playing according to God's rule. He had to make those tough leadership decisions. And likewise, if God has chosen you to be a leader in the church or in your business, your organisation or your family, 
you've got to learn to see your go- yourself as that God-anointed, appointed leader and accept that responsibility that goes along with the position. It's not something that you can shrink or pass off to someone else. And even Paul, he was looking for a word to describe himself at the beginning of Romans 1 and he says, I, Paul, a slave of Christ. And what was he saying here? This is who I am. I belong to another. I'm under the authority of another. I work for another. I work for the glory of another. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means we belong to another. We are his slaves. Our master has become our servant so that now the essence of Christianity we realise, we gladly become his slave. When people are redeemed, that begins to change social structures. And this is how the Bible primarily addresses slavery, by aiming for personal redemption, personal transformation. So if you think about it, the more people that come to Christ are grafted in the community of faith where they are brothers and sisters, neither slave nor free, Jew or Gentile. They're together, loving one another, caring for one another, supporting one another, serving one another. The more that is happening, the more hearts are being transformed the way that way, the more the foundations of Roman slavery has been undercut. So ultimately... The Bible redeems slavery, meaning God takes, like he did so many other things, a product of sin, like slavery in the world, and he turns it into a picture of God's goodness towards his people. The Bible, Christianity, is full of so many opposites. As Simon said today, topsy-turvy. It's an um, upside-down kingdom, I like to say. Things are not as they seem, it's like an oxymoron. We think that we need to exalt ourselves to be promoted and successful. But in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. We are exalted when we are humble. He exalts us. And Jesus didn't come with violence to overthrow this political system and the ruling Romans, which is what people expected. He came in peace and he called himself a servant. And not only did God become man, but he took upon himself the form of a servant, the Greek word doulos again, which refers to a slave. Jesus was willing to leave the majestic realms of glory to enter the realm of humanity, shedding all the visible attributes that were too much for man's flesh to endure. The king of kings, God himself, came to the earth, not as a king, but in the clothing of a human being, in the form of a helpless baby. It was manifested in the flesh. You know, we're nearing Christmas where the whole world remembers that little baby in Bethlehem who was the eternal, ever-existent God Almighty dressed in human flesh so that he could dwell among men and purchase their salvation. Philippians 2 says, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. The same word here, jewel loss again. And we see this 
in communion in the Last Supper in John 13 with his disciples. Jesus took off his outer garment, he wrapped it around his waist and he knelt down and he began to wash his disciples' feet. That's what a slave did, that's what a servant did. He served them and he said to his disciples in Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now we realise the beauty of Christ our God, our King, our Lord, our Master has become our servant. Paul says Jesus did not come to be served but to serve us. What a glorious reality that the God of the universe, creator of the world, the sovereign rule and reign over all things has stopped to become your servant, to become your slave. You say, well, isn't that a bit of a strong statement to describe God? He took on a robe of human flesh and took all your sinful filth, guilt and shame upon himself. He went to the cross and he paid the price. He stood in your place as as your servant so you could be redeemed. And this word redeemed is a picture of slavery. When we talk about redemption, redemption is to buy something to pay a redemption price. You and I were slaves to sin, says in John 8, 34. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. We were in his grasp. But Christ our God came and he set us free. He paid the price with his life, with his death on the cross. It's excruciating and a humiliating death. He took on sin, became sin, actually was excluded from being in the presence of his father so that we could be sinless, righteous and be able to come into the presence of almighty God 24-7. He was resurrected from the the grave and now we can be set free from this sin and become a son and a daughter of God. And that's why the gospel, which means good news, is here. Each one of us has the opportunity to accept this sacrifice that Jesus gave, to ask him to forgive our sins and take them away so that we can be redeemed and become a son or daughter of God right here today, right now. So I'd love everyone just to close their eyes so we don't get distracted. I'm going to give you the opportunity to raise your hand when I count to three. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, ask him to come into your life, experience that true freedom. You've known him once before but drifted away and you want to come back to him. Then I'll see your hand and I'll pray a prayer for everyone to participate in. So if that's you, after three, one two, three. Just pop your hand up. Thank you, Lord. That's great. And pop it down. Anyone else, don't miss this opportunity to come and have that relationship with Jesus. Oh, that's awesome. Well done. That's a great decision. I'm going to pray. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a saviour. I say yes to Jesus today. I declare that it is through Jesus, his perfect life, his sacrificial death on a cross for my sin and his resurrection that I can be forgiven and set free. I open my heart to you. Come into my life. 
be my Lord and Saviour in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was a great decision. Please let someone know. We'd love to give you some information and help you on your journey with God and following Jesus. That's awesome. Thank you, church. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.